And I'm going to share with you a, a brief message this morning before we continue to worship in, in song, and then we worship in the actual supper that he has provided for us. For the last several weeks, I've been talking about evangelism and the fact that Christ has come and Christ lived a life, a sinless life. He took our place on the cross and he paid the penalty of our sin. And he was buried, buried as a dead man, and God raised him to life and overcame sin and death. And as we've talked about that, and it is our privilege to go and to share that with other folks. We're going to worship in a little while here, a little bit later in the service with the actual supper. But I want us to talk about why we do that. And if you will, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. And we're going to just park right here in this one little passage of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 is where we're going to start. And I just want to share with you four things that I want you to see in this passage of Scripture about why we do what we do when we partake of the Lord's Supper. It's not something that we just made up. It's something that that we're taught to do in the Scriptures. So let's read the entire passage, and then let's just unpack it very quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, it says, this is Paul talking to the church at Corinth, and he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup, and after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in any unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let us examine, let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Now, so often when we do the Lord's Supper, um, we do it so serious. Uh, and it's, it's almost like a, a, a funeral wake. And, and there's, there's something right about that when you think about all that Christ did for us, and we're remembering that because he did die for us, and he was buried. But it's also a celebration. He may have died, but he came back to life. Are you excited about that? Okay. You didn't convince me, but I'll... I'll believe you anyway. And one of the reasons you didn't cheer like 
your favorite sports team just scored was because you think that would be irreverent, probably. And I don't know, but this I do know. He has done a wonderful, wonderful thing for us. And when you look at this passage of Scripture, did you catch that at the very beginning? He said twice, as often as you eat this bread, as often as you drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me. One of the reasons we do the Lord's Supper on a regular basis is to remember. Jesus, when he was breaking the bread, and offering the cup to his disciples on that evening of the Passover was he was remembering, as was the custom of the nation Israel, to think back when they were captives in Egypt, and then the Father delivered them out from captivity. And he was remembering that Passover celebration, how the, the, the blood had been put on the doorpost and the death angel passed over those whose house was marked by the shed blood and he was remembering that and we recognize that but you and I are remembering his shed blood that he shed so that you and I would not have to pay the penalty of our sin but we could accept the gift that the wages of sin have been paid by Jesus Christ for us True story about a young lieutenant that had just graduated from uh, West Point during the Vietnam era, and he had gone overseas, was shipped out immediately to go overseas and command a group of men. And his task was to take them out on point, do their work, get them back safe and sound. And one night they came under a heavy enemy attack, and he got all of his men back safe and sound with the exception of one. And he could hear that young man crying out for help on the battlefield, pinned down. And this young lieutenant finally said, if I don't go, he will die out there and I will risk my life to go save him. And he did. He went out, he got the man, drug him back. But just as he was getting back to safety, he took a bullet, he died. Not too long after that, this young man's mom and dad found out that the young man he, their son, had saved happened to be in the city in which they lived. And they thought it would be a wonderful gesture to invite him over to the house, to have a meal with him, and to get to know this young man because their son gave his life that he might live. Little did they know he would show up drunk. He was obnoxious, told off-colored jokes all the way through the dinner. Can you say awkward? And finally he left to their relief. And the mother turned to her husband. He's the dad of this young soldier who had died. And this mom of this soldier looked at him and said, to think our son died for a guy like that. And to think that Jesus died for a guy like me.
and you. We remember. We don't take it for granted. We remember what he did for us. You go on down in that passage of scripture. Uh, it gets over into verse 26 and it says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So not only do we rem remember, but we rejoice. He's coming back. <laughs> Aren't you glad? He's coming back. <laughs> um, I'm not trying to get a busload up tonight. But if he comes, I'm on the bus. I'm going. Not because of anything I have done. But because of what he has done. And I can rejoice I can rejoice because I know that my sins have been forgiven. I know that the penalty has been paid. I know that I'm an adopted child of God. And I know he's coming back to get me and every other believer. And that's what Jesus was trying to show us when he walked on the face of the earth. And he said, listen, I've come to take care of the sin and to help you be ushered into life so that you can rejoice while you're alive here, while you're waiting for the ultimate consummation of what he's going to do. And, and he kept telling this, and people didn't get it. And so he would even, at one point, he raised a young boy that was dead, brought him back to life, and they still didn't get it. And there was another time when we hear, hear even the story where he took a, a young lady that had died, and he prayed over her and raised her from the dead, and they still didn't get it. And so one day he even let his best friend die and be in the tomb for four days. And then he called him out by name and said, Lazarus, come on out here. we got business to do. And they still didn't believe he had the power over sin and death. So he said, I'll show them. I will die, and my father will bring me back to life. And when he did... They got it. He does have the power over sin and death, and for that we rejoice. Max Lucado, one of my favorite authors in his book, uh, uh, Six Hours, One Friday, told the story of about a Brazilian missionary. I think it was probably him, but I'm not sure. <laughs> he, he served over there, and it probably wasn't him. But there was this particular missionary that had gone to this group of people out in the, the bush because there was a terrible disease going on in their, their tribe and, and so uh, he had gone to them and said listen just right across the river just a few miles beyond the river there is a hospital where they can cure you of your, your disease and they said that's all well and good but we can't go there because if we get into the water if we cross this river the devils live in this water and they will kill us before we can cross the river and he said, that's, that's not true. And he walked over to the edge of the, the river and he began to splash the water. And he said, look, nobody got me. You can do it. And they said, no, we don't believe that. And so he said, well, wait, let, let me show you. And so he walks down and he, he actually gets into the river. It's waist deep and he's throwing water on his face. And he's saying, look, I'm alive. I'm alive. Nobody got me. He said, no, 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 no. He said, we don't believe that. We believe if we get into the river, we will die. And finally he said, trust me. And he dove from the bank of the river and swam underwater and came up on the other side of the river 
And as he came out, he thrust his hand up in the air and said, I made it and it's safe. And they cheered and they followed because he had demonstrated. And they saw the joy and they rejoiced and they crossed the river and they received what they needed. So we remember and we rejoice in what Christ has done and what it's provided for us. But it goes on to say, down in verse 28, it says, Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Part of the supper is an examination of our lives and a repenting of sin, that we make sure that we are in right standing as we partake of the supper. We don't take it flippantly. We take it with joy. We take it with excitement. And we take it with appreciation because he not only has taken care of us, but we have done our part to confess our sin. And repenting is not easy for a lot of folks. (laughs) It's admitting I'm wrong. And you know a repenting is to turn from the direction you're going and go in the opposite direction. Back in 1818, there was a malady going around uh, in, in the United States, and, and one out of every seven women who gave birth, uh, ladies, a lot of you all are giving birth now. We have lots of babies around here. Yay, like that. But in 1818, one out of six ladies died with a disease that they dubbed as childbirth fever. And Dr. Samwise began to observe what the doctors were doing. And as he was observing it, he noticed their daily routine. And this was the typical routine of a doctor in that day. He would get up, he would come to the hospital, he would go, and he would perform autopsies in the autopsy room to find cause of death. And then he would, he would leave the autopsy room and immediately go to take care of these women who had given birth to children directly from autopsy to children and moms without washing their hands. Yeah, you, you and I go, ah. But that was a common practice back then. And Dr. Samwise said, wait, I think I see a problem. And so he began to wash his hands. And before too long, his patients showed a marked change. Only one out of every 50 died. Remember, this is 1818. And so he began to share with his colleagues. He said, I think I found the the, the solution here. If we will just wash our hands, he said, we're coming from dead bodies and beginning to work with live people and we're carrying disease. And they laughed at him. And he said, while we talk and talk and talk and I keep telling you, just wash your hands, just wash your hands, just wash your hands, ladies are dying. And finally, they decided to, what can it hurt? And voila. Examine yourself. What are you doing that you need to stop doing and do something different? What are you not doing that you ought to be doing and so you will choose to repent and to start doing that which you ought to do? That is another reason we do the Lord's Supper is to examine ourselves to make sure. 
And then the last thing is found in that last verse that we looked at, verse 29. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. When you see that, that phrase, without discerning the body, it's, it's really talking about the body of Christ. We have a responsibility for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we not only remember, we rejoice and repent, but we also reconcile. It says, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, without being aware about the body, and we begin to make sure that we're not only right with God in our repentance, but we're right with one another in our reconciliation. Even if we have the knowledge that someone is against us, has something against us, we take the initiative to go to that person and say, hey, brother, sister in Christ, this is not right. And if, if you've got something against me, if I've done something that has offended you, then I want to come to you on my initiative. For me to say, I want to make sure I am right with you because having become right with the Father, I want to be right with his children. And that's why it's important for us to celebrate the supper and, and to be involved. A story is told a long time ago, Duke of Wellington, great leader in his country and a great warrior. And in that particular church custom, after the service was over, they would always have the, the communion service. But because he was the Duke of Wellington, he would often wait for the church to empty so that he could come. And because of who he was, the church wanted him to have privacy. One particular Lord's Day, as the church had begun to empty, and so it was time for the Duke of Wellington to come down and partake of the Lord's Supper. Just as he was starting to make his way down the center aisle, a poor man walked in the door and saw, oh, it's not too late to take of the supper. And so he was walking down the edge of the church, and he came and he kneeled right next to the Duke of Wellington. The poor man and the Duke on their knees together at the altar. And so the ushers, being good ushers as they were, they were probably Baptists, um, they, they walked over to the poor man and they put their hand on his shoulders and said, Sir, you might want to just move a little bit away. That's the Duke. And the eagle eyes of the duke and his sensitive ears heard what the usher had said. And as the poor man started to stand up in order to move, the duke grabbed his hand and wouldn't let him stand up at all. And then he leaned over in a very quiet voice and he said, Here, my brother, we are all equals. The reconciliation that went on 
Folks, we are all equals. We are all sinners. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if we have asked Christ to come into our life, we are all equals as adopted children of God. He has made us his own. And that's why we celebrate the supper. What we're going to do now is we are going to worship in song again. And there's going to be a time for you as you worship in song to also remember and to rejoice and to repent and to be reconciled. I'm going to go back to the prayer room. If someone needs someone to pray with, I or some of the other staff members will be back there. If you need to move across the aisle and go to someone and say, hey, I, I feel like I've wronged you or I hear that you have something against me, I need to go and make sure it's right. This is your opportunity to move and to share at this point. So as our musicians lead us in music, we're going to stand together, we're going to worship him, and after we have a time of worship, then we will come and actually participate in the supper itself.